Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast presented by Green Mountain Dental Group. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, we have a special guest today. Um, those of you who uh, know who Ryan Konigsberg is are going to be hyped because it's him. You may know him because he's been on the post game shows or because you followed our Buffs coverage a few years ago when he was leading it or because you're a Broncos fan and now he's all over there or just because you're on Twitter and he is famously on Twitter as well. Um, how's it going, Ryan? Good. I want that on my tombstone. Famously on Twitter. Yes, you are famously on Twitter. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, this was supposed to be the not the best day of the week, in my opinion, but a very close second for best day of the week because Colorado was going to play Arizona in basketball, which would have been a lot of fun because they're two really good basketball programs. And I think Colorado would have won. Um, how are you coping with not having this happening? Uh, you know, Henry, I just like being undefeated. And <laughs> so that's really getting me through, uh, this experience. Like, like when you're undefeated, nothing, nothing can ha- nothing bad can happen other than losing. Obviously you don't want to see guys, uh, get COVID. So that aside, which obviously is something that you don't want to see happen at all, um, like you, you just can't knock me off my peg until a game is lost in either football or basketball. So, uh, if if they're not going to play Arizona today, it sucks uh, because you'd like to be three and zero with a win over Arizona going into playing Colorado State. Might as well just mark that down as four and zero. And now you're feeling great. Who knows? Maybe you can be more clear on what these protocols are because I thought it was like a very clear like okay, if you don't have enough players to play, it's fourteen days, but that doesn't seem like that's the case. So where do we stand with this? Where we stand is a very confusing place. And for you as somebody who uh, covers professional sports, you are used to that clarity for all of us college sports people that the clarity just doesn't exist. Like it is just a question mark every day. What is going on? You know, the statement that got sent out yesterday was, I think the, the buff said something like nothing has changed. Um, we still have the same test results but now we've realized that we need to do this. And the PAC 12 statement said uh, there were like, it said there were multiple positive tests, which is something the bus hadn't said. And so it really is just like this whole world of confusion that surrounds bus basketball. But what we do know is that uh, Deshaun Schwartz did test positive after he was on the plane with the team, a couple of other guys um, or not Dominique Clifford, a Keyshawn Bartholomew and uh, De Silva, uh, Tristan Da Silva, sorry, the Stanford game is on right next to me and I'm watching Oscar Da Silva. So that threw me off. Um, so, so they had to go back. They're playing and, right now. Yeah, they are. 
and I stand to lose a couple of dollars unless Zaire Williams. No, he missed again. The hype is getting a little bit too big, but um, yeah. So, so you have that going on. Something happened so that something got worse. Maybe they, one of those guys tested positive and they have to go through contact tracing through more players. Um, but what we know is they don't have enough to play or right now or, and uh, the game Saturday hasn't been canceled. So maybe there's something with like, the contact tracing i know the cdc guidelines shifted from like 14 days out to seven after exposure i don't know it seems like that game's gonna get canceled it seems like colorado state's gonna get canceled too so that's where right. we are oh so when was colorado state supposed to be i thought i think that's like it's all it's next week um so colorado still has washington state on saturday and then tuesday is supposed to be colorado state um and then they have six days off before Northern Colorado. Okay. Yeah, so it seems to me like Northern Colorado would be the next game that uh, could potentially be played. Again, I don't know. I'm just happy the team uh, got a road dub uh, against Kansas State. They looked good. McKinley mm-hmm. Wright uh, living up to expectations. J- uh, Jabari Walker is <sighs> going to be a Tad Boyle favorite for a long time coming or for a long time hopefully now, uh he's gonna be a fan favorite for a long time um i don't you, i know you say that hopefully um i don't quite see like high level nba athleticism oh. from him which is one thing that i think could keep him around uh maybe a little longer than you know some of the the great wings at colorado before him so um it's it, it's exciting that the basketball team is off to a good start. It's a bummer that they're not going to play today. Uh, it was weird going like right into an Arizona game. Like usually mm-hmm. you have like you know exactly what the team is before they play Arizona. Uh, it was very uncomfortable going into a game like this, kind of blind. Yeah, and not only blind, but down Deshaun Schwartz, Keyshawn Bartholomew, and De Silva was in the rotation in the first game before he was pulled, that wasn't something I think we expected, but I don't know. It, it is just, it is nice to be two and O and that puts us in kind of a weird place in terms of like, what are the buffs nationally? They, they didn't get ranked. I think they got one vote or something like that this week. Um, but when I was going through trying to put together my top 25 that we put out every week, um, there's teams like Tennessee haven't played a game. I was high on them coming into the season. How much do you knock them down for not playing compared to other teams around them? They're getting wins and other teams they are getting losses. I like, do you think that Colorado can just take like, let's say it's two weeks off and somehow wind up in the top 25 because a couple of those other teams start losing games. Yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> you know, I think from one vote to getting in is tough when you don't yeah. play. Um, there's clearly some people who need convincing on the buffs, but it's possible. I personally think that uh, both teams should be ranked right now. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I don't know if if this is a too early transition for you, uh, but I think it's a joke that the football team isn't ranked. Yeah. I mean, it's Carl Durrell. You were in on the call today when he got asked about that. um, And he said, like, I, I understand like, like, first of all, I said, like, he doesn't care. He doesn't really pay attention. Um, 
he said like USC is in there and all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, it's like we've won three games. Like we need to keep winning games because it, this is unbalanced. There are a lot of teams in there. And, and I agree. I think that it is tough to put a team into the top 25 just because they have wins over the three teams that Colorado has played at the same time though, Oregon has already lost a game and they're still way up there in the rankings. USC is in there. And so when you look at what the college football playoff committee actually did, you, it's, it's very reasonable to be very frustrated with how they handled the Pac-12. Now, like the debate is whether any of those teams should be in and if so, which teams, like that's something you could talk about. What you can't talk about is having USC in there, Colorado not in there, having Oregon in there with a loss without Colorado. It's, it's just kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, USC is yet to beat a team that has won a game. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you can't you can't pull strength of schedule on the Buffs. Nope. Oregon lost to Oregon State. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can't play the like, oh, uh, yeah, I know you're undefeated. You haven't played a lot, enough games. Like, there's no case that you can build as to why the Buffs shouldn't be in over both of those. Not, not You know, I don't care if those teams are ranked. The Buffs have to be ranked higher than both of those teams yeah the only one that you could you could maybe make a case for is usc just because they are usc and that's that's how rankings work you know you're the, the teams are always the better teams historically or at least recently are always going to get the benefit of the doubt over teams that haven't so you could say okay well usc hasn't done anything to hurt their ranking unless you want to say like close wins uh hurt the ranking which i i don't personally think they should so i can live with that like if you bought if you believed uh, USC was the 20th best team in the country coming in this year uh, or somewhere there. And you said, okay, well, they haven't lost, so we can't take them out. I believe I- I'm fine with that, but mm-hmm. you can't look at Oregon and then look at Colorado and say like, well, you know, uh, Oregon's had a better season than Colorado so far. It's just not true. No, especially cause like you have a common opponent. You have two common opponents and and Oregon did like handle Stanford 35 to 14 and Colorado let them climb back into the game. You can wait that like late game, whatever you want to call it, however you want and and say like that is important. That is not important. What I take away is that Stanford never had a chance to win the game. Colorado put them away early and then Oregon played UCLA and that was a tight game. And UCLA had a chance to tie that up late and they got into like the edge of field goal range and they could have turned it into something. But I I just look at and say Colorado straight up dominated UCLA. Sure. They let them get a little bit explosive late and make the score look not so bad, but that game wasn't in jeopardy, you know, stuff like I I think uh, the buffs held Demetric Felton who has turned out to be the star of the Pac-12 to 57 rushing yards. I think including that, he's averaging like 160 rushing yards per game this season. Against Oregon, um, against Oregon, he went for 167 with two touchdowns. And you just look at what these games were like when you watch them, and it at, at best, at best for Oregon, it was pretty much the same thing as when they those teams played Colorado. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think this is where the people who were upset about the style points not exactly happening in those first two wins, mm-hmm. um, or in the third win for that, mu- for that matter, there. probably have a case. Um, you know, if you end up blowing out UCLA by three touchdowns like you should have, uh, and if you end up blowing out Stanford by three scores like you should have, then we probably might, aren't having this conversation right nope. now. Um there's a lot of reasons why they didn't have any style points against San Diego State, but 
three in a row where, you know, it, it wasn't really sexy in any way, especially in the second half, uh, it's just a tough a tougher sell. It's tough for me to sit here and say like, Oh, the people who wanted those style points are wrong when I'm saying they should be ranked and they aren't like that. The only reason you could say they aren't ranked is because they haven't had style points. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's definitely right. I, I wonder how much of that comes from Carl Durrell coming over from the NFL, like, like him having, and this is something we talked about in the first or second post game about how it's like, he, he looks at the clock and says, okay, if we just run the ball three times on every drive from here on out, that's not going to leave enough clock for this team to come all the way back. And that formula worked because it didn't leave enough time for those teams to come all the way back in college football though. Should he be placing more of an emphasis on saying, you know what? We can throw the ball on this team. Let's keep throwing the ball on this team and put up some points. Yeah. I think there is a, there's an NFL influence there. I mean, in the NFL style points could not matter any less. Um, Mm -hmm. They will get you, quite literally nothing you cannot gain anything from them you cannot lose anything from winning a game without style points does not matter at all couldn't exactly it has a it has a net zero impact on anything uh except for maybe like you know espn's power rankings or just the spread in vegas the next week which again to an nfl coach could not matter less no so there there's there's might be something to be said there maybe it's something he has to learn you know uh, it's something I preach all the time on the Broncos podcast is that coaches are allowed to learn. Uh, they aren't, they don't just come into the program as one thing or the team as one thing and stay that way forever. Um, they learn, they change. And so maybe, maybe Carl Durrell, you know, next season when they're beating up on someone early in the game says like, we need to score more points so we can, you know, get a better college football mm-hmm. playoff ranking. Uh, in the end, it's a great problem to have if you're not winning with enough style points. It definitely is a great problem to have. Um, let's just real quickly before we move on from these top 25 rankings, um, let's let's just go through these top couple of teams. Um, what do you think of how these shook out um, with Alabama number one, Notre Dame number two, Clemson number three, Ohio State number four? Um. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I think that Clemson uh, has a case to be the best team in the country. Um, I think that Ohio State has a case to be the best team in the country. The problem is haven't seen it. Uh, obviously, Clemson dealt with, you know, what they dealt with mm-hmm. and lost their best player, uh, best player in the country, quite arguably. So, I don't know. Where I look to a team uh, – it's going to be really interesting to see what the decision comes down to, especially if Ohio State keeps not playing games. Yeah. Uh, and you saw them starting to put the narrative out there last night that um, Michigan wants to dodge them. Um, quite quite problematic, probably in many people's eyes. Uh, you know, saying a team with COVID issues wants to dodge them rather than, like, mitigate the spread uh, of the virus. <laughs> but <laughs> with that aside, they're building a narrative there. Why? Because they need to beat up on Michigan uh, to help their chance at, at staying in, uh, you know, in the top four of the college football playoffs. So if you can have the narrative out there that, oh, it's not that we didn't play that game. It's that they dodged us because they were scared of us. It helps. It helps the perception. The one team that I think – sorry, I sneezed. Uh, <laughs> the one thing that I – the one team that I think – 
I can compete with all four of those teams um, is Florida at sitting at six. Um, if I were any of those teams, I would be terrified of playing Florida. Yeah, I think that that's probably a good point. Um, thing about Ohio State is they're just in like a terrible situation where they have all the COVID problems they're having. They've only played four games. It's not looking like they're going to play enough games to qualify for the Big Ten Championship. And so then all of a sudden, like, if you do have, say, um, like an Indiana Northwestern come through and win the Big Ten Championship with one loss on the record, they might they would have a very legitimate claim to be the, the Big Ten's representative in the college football playoff. And you're looking at Ohio State saying, like, there's just no room for you anymore. Do you, like... Do you think that the playoff committee should value Ohio State just because we all know what on paper Ohio State is and say, like, nope, even though you don't have the resume to back it up, we are putting you in anyway? Uh, yeah, It's a dangerous game. It is. But I think the answer is yes. This is why we have a committee, isn't it? Um, it's the committee's job to determine who are the four best teams in the country and how, you know, how do we pit them against each other? Uh, and so if the committee wants to decide that Ohio State, regardless of how many games they played, to their eyes is still one of the four best teams in the country, that's what they're paid to do. That's why they're there. So I hate to say it because I think it's a little bit farcical, but this whole season is. Everything about 2020 is, yeah. is a farce. So – you kind of have to make judgments. You kind of have to guess. You have to jump to conclusions. That's what we're stuck with. Uh, and if the committee says that, well, I feel better about that than if it was like Notre Dame who hadn't played enough games and the committee put them in there because we know, you know, the uh, politics at play there. I don't know how much politics is at play with putting in Ohio State. Obviously, they're more popular than most teams in the country. But, you know, if they're putting in Ohio State over Florida or Texas A&M, mm -hmm. those are still two huge draws, especially Florida. Yeah, I don't know. I This is this is where, like, I, I have grown to just love everything about college sports except for this exact thing. And for the most part, it's just fine. Like, like in a normal year, it is rare that you have, like, a serious controversy over who belongs in the playoff. But... In situations like this, which who knows, we may never have another season where you're trying to figure out whether to put a team that's played four games or 10 games into the playoff. Like it's it just the whole system falls apart. And I don't know that there is like a better system for selecting the four best teams in college football. But to me, and maybe this is like the Buffs fan in me who just like watched what happened and saw the like Oregon get ranked ahead of CU despite CU having the resume. Like I, I wouldn't mind them just saying like, Ohio state, you only played four games, five games. Once we get to the end of the season, BYU played nine and sure they weren't against the most impressive opponents, but they've shown more consistency. I don't know though. I'm just glad that Rick George is the one on that committee and not me. I, yeah, absolutely. I think that um, BYU should just be on the absolute prowl right now trying to find the game. Uh, like the, the committee has told them you're not in uh, yep. no matter what at this point. 
I guess every if every team in front of you loses again, then you might have a chance. But I don't. I think that the committee is saying like you better go find a game uh, if you want any chance at this. And uh, the Pac-12 is probably their best bet, right? Uh, because the Pac-12 has given the okay for uh, out of conference games. Um, I don't think ha, have any been canceled this week, Henry. No, I don't Pac-12 think any Pac-12 games have been yet. Oh no, actually, I don't think any of them yet. Okay, well, knock we'll on wood. Well, knock on wood. Yeah, uh, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, so I think that that's their best chance. Like they got to get a game with USC somehow, um, and show like we're better than them. Uh, you might even have to get another one in there too, like a Utah mm-hmm. or something, to be able to really prove like we can beat anyone in the country. I, I it's gonna bum me out uh, that they're not gonna get in because I just want to see Zach Wilson against the best competition in the country. And yeah. you know, knowing what we know, they're probably not even gonna get a you know a bowl game. <laughs> I guess they probably will. They'll probably still get like a New Year's Six uh, if all those stay in play. Um, so. I don't know. Uh, I'd love to see them in there. It just seems like they have. They might have to get two more wins to, to get that. Yeah. You know, the Pac-12 would seem like the easy route. But then with all the stuff that happened last week or the week before, I can't remember where Washington was trying to get them to play. And they just said, like, we don't know, I guess, exactly what they said, but something about it, whether it was that the Pac-12 had the chance to cancel up until Thursday or it had to be played at the Pac-12 stadium, like BYU just ran away for whatever reason, and they can't afford to do that. The one thing that I would really like to see is for them to play Cincinnati because Cincinnati is very much in the same boat, except that Cincinnati, I think that a a win over really any ranked team might be enough to put them into the college football playoff at number seven. And I think that if, if, if possible, Cincinnati, BYU, there's a good chance that game would send the winner to the college football playoff it might be tougher for BYU to get in, but what does either team have to lose? Like you go to a worse bowl game at the end of the season. Is that something that we really care about? Like, it seems like if there's a path to the college football playoff, you got to do whatever you can to be on that path. That's a really good um, thing that I would be telling Cincinnati. If I was BYU, like, look, mm-hmm. either of us are getting in. Uh, so let's play each other and give one of us a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great sell from one side of that. Um, And and you're right. Like what's the, like, so you end up going to X bowl instead of Y bowl. Like I'll tell you what, like when the buffs lost the Pac-12 championship and went to the Alamo bowl, like it wouldn't have mattered what bowl they went to. It could have been the Alamo bowl, the Las Vegas bowl, the poinsettia bowl. Like they're all the same once you're not in the big ones. Yeah. I guess you could lose your chance at a New Year's Six, which does carry some weight. Yeah. But again, does. that's not what this is about. And I wonder if the committee punish is punishing uh, BYU a little bit for turning down that opportunity uh, to play Washington. Maybe. Maybe. All I know is it's disappointing because, like you said, I want to see Zach Wilson against best competition. And I want to see I want to see that whole offense. You know, the, the running back has been so good. Those receivers have been making plays. And you don't know whether they're making plays for Zach Wilson because they're going up against, um, you know, just picking a couple names off the schedule. North Alabama, West Kentucky, Texas State, uh, Troy. You know, they aren't playing good teams but those receivers look incredible. Like it looks like they just have Randy Moss at every one of those 
positions tearing up defenses. So yeah, I don't know. We'll be paying attention to that. See where it goes. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about some buff stuff in a second, but first, uh, got to give a shout out to our friends over at Breckenridge brewery. Uh, what's the uh, last Breckenridge beer that you had RK? Ooh, I had the, uh, the juice drop, the new, uh, IPA from Breck brew and man, they do such a good job at making their strong beers smooth. Um, which is like the biggest turnoff, you know, like you take a sip of like a strong beer and it tastes like you're drinking alcohol and you're like, Oh God, this is how the hell am I going to finish this? Like all of their strong beers, their IPAs, whatever it is, they all are smooth. And this is another example of that. It's got some great citrus notes in there. It's got the hops that you're looking for. Uh, just, just, you know, another banger from Breck Brew. They don't miss. Yeah. You know, I didn't realize that the juice drop was an IPA. I had just heard about it and knew that I like fruity beers. And so I'd probably like it because it has juice in the name. I thought you were um, just going to say, I just knew that I like juice. <laughs> I do really like juice. <laughs> um, but I, when you were saying that, I, I went through this like little roller coaster of emotions where it was like juice drop. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm fired up to get to try this. And then you said IPA. I was like, oh, I, I don't like IPAs. They're too strong for me. But then I was like, well, the Hot Peak IPA is the only IPA that I do like because like they do such a good job of making those so smooth and not tasting like, I don't know. There's something about like the IPA that can just be too strong for me. And so then I was back up and I was like, okay, maybe there's a second IPA. I like I'm excited to try that. If you guys want to try it, then you can uh, do that in a bunch of different ways. Um, if you jump on the Breckenridge brewery website, it'll tell you exactly where to go to pick it up. They also have like a sledding Hill that's for free out at the farmhouse. They have a, uh, a ice skating rink that you can skate on for three dollars if you bring your own skates or six dollars if you need to use skates and then you can like drink a bunch of beers while your kids skate if you want to do that um and yeah get on that beer locator and go check out that new juice drop ipa um because you just heard a really good review for it um also want to shout out green mountain dental group um, we've actually had a bunch of dmvr listeners change over and uh, use Green Mountain Dental Group as their permanent family <coughs> dentist. Um, they've all like reached out to us and let us know how great their experience was. And so we've been hearing a lot of great reviews and you can find those great reviews on the internet as well. So make sure you check those out uh, because if you do, you're going to be convinced to go to Green Mountain Dental Group. Um, they, they do a whole bunch of great work. Um, the, the best part is that, uh, well, either that you're supporting a family-owned dentistry or that you can get a free Sonicare toothbrush if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam at Green Mountain Dental Group. Uh, so make sure you take advantage of that deal. All right, um, let's talk more about bus football. Uh, what do you want to see out of this offense? You know, this was probably the least impressive offensive performance of the season going up against San Diego State. Uh, as somebody who uh, wants the Buffs to win, what is the like one thing that you would like to see improved on this offense this week? Well, before that, I want to plug one more thing. I would like to see the good people who listen to this podcast go and give you some better iTunes reviews. Yes. Uh, you know, I know that I know you're out there. I know you're out there listening and you appreciate this podcast. Mm -hmm. Give Henry some love. He works really hard to put on this podcast. Uh, and uh, he, I think he deserves it. So uh, go go into iTunes and hit your boy with some podcast reviews. OK, um, for me, Henry, I want to see them get vertical more it's the one thing mm. 
that I think that this offense is missing is a true threat of verticality. Um, you know, you see some teams uh, later in the games are starting to focus more on the box uh, and bring people down because Jarek Broussard is their main concern, and he should be. Um, but it, Sam Neuer, uh, Levante Chenault, Katie Nixon, Brendan Rice, Daniel Arias, all these guys. I mean, you could name off good receivers on this team for like five minutes straight. It's crazy. Yeah. But got to hit some some deep balls. Uh, and I know I can think of like a deep over that he hit to Arias. Uh, is it Arias or Arias? Arias. Okay. Uh, I can think of obviously the wide open touchdown to Brennan Rice, which I'm not really going to count here because that was too easy. Um, there was one. I believe up the sideline on like a cover two fade that they threw to Brendan Rice that he just missed, I think. Um, so I'm like, I'm like piecing together. It shouldn't be this easy for me to like slowly but surely piece together all the vertical shots I've seen. Um, so I'd like to just see them early in the game, pick a guy. Uh, I would probably pick Brendan Rice uh, and just say like, go get one. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, last week, here's one other thing I'll say about it. The ones that they have taken, a lot of them have been when they've gotten a defensive line uh, on the hard count. And they didn't get that this week at all against mm-hmm. San Diego State, so you didn't see it happen. So, again, I want to see more, you know, drawn-up uh, shots taken just to keep the defense a little more honest. Yeah, and this isn't something that I expected to be saying at this point in the season or honestly really like ever, but – I feel like they've lost something in the intermediate to deep passing game without Brady Russell. You know, the last couple of years, he hasn't been any sort of downfield threat, but he, when he was playing, he did make a couple of plays that turned out to be fairly big gainers. Like there was the 34 yarder down the left sideline. Like he was kind of coming across the field. Like I, I really do think that Brady Russell's absence is hurting this team, which isn't like a crazy hot take, but I I wonder how they deal with that this week. You know, last week things are different because you do have a talent advantage and you can kind of simplify things and take fewer risks. But this week I would kind of like to see him use some more four receiver sets, you know, maybe get in the pistol um, so that you have some form of running game, but then throw Jalen Jackson in that other slot and see if he can start running that seam with Dimitri Stanley on the other side um, because they, they are missing that deep threat you we've seen Dimitri Stanley kind of make some plays, but they aren't like true, like vertical plays. You know, oh, that is like, another, yeah, they should have had the one against mm-hmm. Stanford if it wasn't for the interior pressure. Yep. And it was just a missed ball, but he was there, you know, the, the, the reason this is missing though, is because Daniel Arias hasn't produced the way that we wanted to see him produce this season. You know, the hype was so big um, that he could be having that, that, breakout year after sitting on the bench the way that Visca did, which is an unrealistic expectation to put on anybody. But so far he hasn't been able to produce those big plays. And uh, that is kind of what's causing this problem that combined with um, I I think losing Brady Russell really does cut down your options in the passing game. But yeah, I I mean, Brendan Rice can go make those plays. Levante Chanel can go make those plays. Um, I would like to see, more of those deep shots. And I think out of some lighter personnel, you know, this offense is so multiple. What do you think of, of taking the tight ends off the field and running more receivers out there? 
I mean, in theory, it makes sense because, like, with all due respect, um, CJ Shemansky mm-hmm. uh, and what is Magri? Nico Magri. They were actually high school teammates at uh, Monarch, Monarch High, high school. school. Yeah. And uh, Nico played defensive line and uh cj played quarterback and now they're both tight ends with the buffs and (laughs) they're they're first and second options should be noted uh unless something's changed since i was at school there um monarch still runs like the wing t fear one of those Mm. uh triple option offenses so uh not helping them become much of a threat in the passing game i should should (laughs) say um i've always had a, a real issue with monarch because they run that offense and they just dominate 4A, but they could move up to 5A mm. where that kind of stuff isn't going to fly every week and uh, they just keep turning down that opportunity. Interesting. So, some BYU stuff. Um, <laughs> so anyways, uh, I, like, I like the idea on paper because to me, I feel like you're getting your be- your the best eleven that you can out there on the field. Which mm-hmm. you, when you put more receivers in less walk on tight ends. Uh, but with that being said, like running the ball has been this team's identity. They're running the ball fifty times a game, which is a beautiful thing at Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to see them lose that identity in the interest of putting the best eleven players on the field. Yeah. But but that's what makes it so tough. And like one of the things that I've been really excited about with this offense and something that coaches have talked about as well is that you do have a bunch of coaches with a bunch of different backgrounds. You know, you have Carl Durrell with all the West Coast stuff. You have Chev running what he's been running and what he's been learning at Colorado on top of being uh, an air raid coach over at Texas Tech. You have Danny Langsdorf coming in with what he has. Um, you have Taylor Embry who knows how to whip tight ends into perfect form and use them properly. And, and so I do think that this is one of the opportunities to just kind of go outside of the box. And we've seen them get kind of light at various points. But, you know, I, I like the idea of just picking three packages you really like and basing everything you do each week off of those. And this week, having some sort of four wide receiver, like two by two, looks i think this would be the week to break those out um even though you do risk hurting yourself in the running game i don't know it's going to be interesting to see what they do because they are missing guys yeah uh i don't know i mean is there what's the deal on brady any chance he comes back this week um we we don't know will always be the answer to these questions (laughs) but but what we heard a few weeks ago is that it was a pretty serious injury and that they were hoping to get him back but for the end of the season um i i don't expect him back though i think if we do see him back it's probably that week seven slash pack 12 title game week um maybe next week who knows but there is a chance we do see poplowski who missed, I think, all of last year. Maybe, like, the first half was because, like, he just wasn't playing. The second half was a torn ACL, and he's been practicing for a couple weeks. And I I have no idea what he would provide you because, again, we just haven't seen him. But there could be something at the position. Yeah. All right. Well, that, uh, <laughs> that helps, I guess. Um, I, I like your idea though. And, and one of the main reasons I like it is because Jarek Broussard is very well built to run the ball out of the shotgun. Mm-hmm. Um, he's quick, he's shifty, 
you know, he can cut inside, he can cut outside. Uh, and so even if you do spread him out a little bit, you hopefully see more six man boxes. Yeah. Um, and because of that, you know, Jared Broussard can use his patience and his vision to, to slice them up. Henry, I have to admit, whenever I think about the fact that we're playing Arizona this week, I just like thank the good Lord above that uh, Khalil Tate isn't on the football team. Isn't that so weird? Like I have spent so much time this week thinking about Khalil Tate, which for no reason he is gone now. Like I wasn't even here for most of what he did. Like, like I saw one game with Khalil Tate last year, but, but then it's just like, huh, maybe he's somebody I, I should be like taking a flyer on in Madden, you know, just, just to see in that Madden league, if, if he's any good, you know, and, and, but, but it's just been like buzzing around my brain, Khalil Tate. And I don't know, like, like what do I don't have anything else I feel like I should be thinking about with Arizona is the thing. Like Grant Cannell has kind of been a bust. They put the backup in early last week because he got hurt um, and he was like fine. You know, they they lose the running back. Who who was the running back? What was his name? Uh, I can't oh, remember. Oh, man. They just like churn through these guys I know. one after another. And then this year it was supposed to be Gary Brightwell, who also has been disappointing. And so it's, it's like, there really isn't a whole lot going on with Arizona's football team. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Khalil Tate haunts my nightmares like multiple times a year. Um, I've like, I don't understand what the difference for him was between playing Colorado and playing almost anyone else. Uh, It doesn't make sense. Like, you put if he played Colorado every game of his entire career, he would have been the number one overall pick by a wide margin. Like it would have been a no-brainer. Uh, easy. It would have been like anyone's a, ever made. It would have been like a Trevor Lawrence situation, where it's like, yeah, for three years we know Trevor Lawrence is going number one. Yeah, like he was like Lamar Jackson times two against the Buffs. Yeah, he, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I mean, it started with a three hundred yard rushing game. That that's just a, that doesn't happen. That's not a thing. That's one of my least favorite games I've ever seen. Like the only thing that saves that game, and it honestly kind of makes it worse for me, just as it's remembered. Philip Lindsay had the game of his life that day. Um, like he, I think he ran for three hundred yards or damn near it, um, and like he was unstoppable. And then Arizona would go out and drop back, and then Khalil Tate would run. And I was sitting in the end zone on the north side of the stadium. And it's a terrible place to watch the game, if you ask me. Um, like, too low in the end zone, awful. Huh. But what I would see is, like, Khalil Tate drop back, him start running, and then just, like, Buff's jerseys, like, trying to catch him, and he would just run right away from all the – like, my I'm permanently scarred from that game as as a whole. And then – just every year, like he did it in a different way. One year he runs for 300 yards. One year he passes for what 450. Yeah. Uh, like, it, so I'm just I'm so glad I'm so glad he's not going to be there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. Real quick, what what is your like power ranking of Buffs receivers right now? You know, because because this is something like I, I asked uh, Carl Durrell about this today, just because you know it seems like once a week we're asking, okay, who's who's next up at running back? Who are you going to try? And he's like, well, we're having the competition. It's the like whoever's best in practice is going to get those number two reps. And uh, let's just start there, I guess. We're both on the same page that it's time to like feed Ashad Clayton those number two reps, right? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. The only thing I'll say is, like, I don't really think he should be rewarded for the whining and moaning. That's um, a fair. Yep. So, like, if I'm a coach, I don't know. These guys, their job is so difficult. They have to manage personalities. They have to put the best players on the field. They have to, you know, make sure these guys are learning. And they also have to do things to keep guys from transferring. Like, mm-hmm. if you actually believe in Ashad Clayton, the talent, and you're Carl Durrell, like, you might just have to give him some carries just to stop him from transferring, which I hate. Uh, that, that's another thing that's better about pro sports. Like, there's none of that garbage going on. Yeah. Um, so, with that said, I, I don't like that, you know, oh, he just – sends off a couple tweets and then the optics are bad when he uh, gets what he wants the next week. But at the same time, I think he's a better option than Joe Davis. So uh, I say, give him the rock. Yeah, me too. It's you've tried your other options and they really haven't worked. Um, it's going to be nice when Alex Fontenot gets back though. That's, that's what I'll say. Um, moving on though. Cause this is my question is like, so we talk about this all the time. What about the receivers? Because there's a big rotation with the receivers and <laughs> it seems like it's backed up how do you want like the targets to break down? Um, who gets the most? Man, that's a really tough question. Uh, and I don't really know how to answer it because I think it's all depending on matchups and the flow of yeah. the game. But if you told, if you want me to rank who I want, like who I feel best when the ball is going to them. Yeah. Dimitri uh, Stanley, number one. Okay. Uh, Levante Chanel, number two. That's this, that, I mean, I, I don't think you're wrong. Yeah, um, Katie Nixon, number three. Mm-hmm. Brennan Rice, same page. number four. Yep. Uh, Arius, five. Arius. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm right there further. with you. And, <laughs> and then from there, it's like maybe like Jalen Jackson or something. But I do think that that's what we're seeing is that Dimitri Stanley, he's been dominant in the slot. And I guess I haven't run through the numbers since this last week of games, but he was running away with like all the yards per route run uh, out of the slot in the Pac-12 with names like Amonra St. Brown and others behind him. Um, he has been r- really, really good. And he has like disappeared for stretches, like the second half of the first game. It felt like for most of this game, um, but he's a he's a young receiver. Um, if if there is a change after this week um, to those power rankings, who do you think is most likely to to move, whether it's up or down? Ooh, good question. Uh, I think KD um, yeah. has a chance to easily vault himself up to two and maybe even number one. Um, you know, a lot. KD is a very polarizing figure um, in yeah. Buffs Nation. Uh, there's a lot of people who are like when he wasn't playing early in the season, like, I don't care. Uh, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people who think, you know, I think you're one of the people who thinks that his ceiling is really high, mm-hmm. uh, and he could do a lot of damage. I did not like the way they used him last week. And so if they continue to use him in that way, uh, I think his ceiling is limited. I don't know if they wanted to try and use him more outside because that's what he wants for his like potential NFL draft stock or what. Um, and obviously Dimitri Stanley is your slot receiver. So you're Mm -hmm. in kind of a tough position. What I would say is like, you have to view, uh, Katie Nixon as just a weapon. Like if you're starting to, if you try to view him as a wide receiver, um, you're not going to get the most out of him. Um, so, you know, jet sweeps, uh, you can line them up in the backfield. Like you could do like, you know, like have, um, Sam Neuer flanked by Jarek Broussard on one side and Katie Nixon on the other side and run Mm -hmm. him out of the backfield or like, to me, the closer to the, the line of scrimmage that Katie Nixon touches the ball, the better. 
Yeah. Uh, and you're just kind of trying to get the ball into his hands and allow him to make some plays in the open field. Yeah. And I will add on top of that. I want to see just like one or two deep shots. Like, like, he to me has as good of a chance as anybody of being successful when he's running downfield. And it may not look the same as Brendan Rice going up and getting the ball, but just because of like how much the defense is going to sit down inside. And also just because it will open him up a little bit more underneath, you know, if you can throw a bunch of screen passes to him and and see it not work out. But I do think that if you just, go deep to him once or twice, send him on one deep route down the sideline, one deep post. And you do that in the first half of the game, you're going to get those defenders sitting back. And that's how you open up all this underneath stuff that should be wide open for him because he has been able to make plays. And with KD, it just comes down to like, and it's honestly been a couple of years of this. Like we know he's talented. We know what he's capable of on times. We've seen it just go produce, just go do it now. Like, like the, the hype is here. Everybody's waiting on it. Just go string together a couple of good games. And that's just been what's missing throughout this entire process. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think there's a lot of room for movement in that wide receiver group. It can, it, it can happen over the course of like a series. Um, mm-hmm. Brendan Rice is just like waiting to become a dominant player, in my opinion. Yep. Um, in like, you know, I mentioned it last week, he took that little tunnel screen and like ran someone over. And I was just like, wow, like that's a freshman making yeah. grown ass man plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's exciting. Uh, and you know, if there's one thing that the buffs have done really well for the last five years, uh, it's recruit wide receivers and they're absolutely stacked there. Yeah. Yep. Um, before we get into the defense, uh, let's uh, talk about World Golf Tour. Um, WGT is a lot of fun, and it's especially fun right now uh, because of the cool things that we're doing at DMVR. So every weekend, there's a different tournament that's available to all. It's not just DMVR members, but anybody who's like associated in any way. Like you see the tweets, you see uh, or you listen to the podcast, you can jump in and join one of our DNVR uh, country clubs. And it's a lot of fun because we do play these tournaments and we give away some swag to a random winner every week. Um, This week, uh, starting on Friday, going through Sunday, we're going to be hosting the Elf on the Shelf shootout at Pebble Beach uh, because in World Golf Tour, you get to play a whole bunch of really cool, really realistic courses like Pebble Beach. Um, All the country (coughs) clubs can participate. And better yet, like I said, anyone can win. All you have to do is join the DNVR Country Club. If you haven't played, um, head to that Pebble Beach golf course, enter into the closest to the whole challenge, and submit the screenshot of your score to our pinned Twitter thread uh, at DNVR Sports or email them to info at thednvr.com. And uh, we'll choose a random winner to get a DNVR shirt of their choice, a mask, and we'll ship it to you. It's going to be a new course every week all the way up to Christmas. Um, so there's really nothing to lose. Go to dmvrgolf.com, download WGT so you can play with us. It's the most popular real or most popular golf game in the world with 20 million players. Uh, it's, it's realistic. It's free. Uh, and uh, it's well, it's the official gaming partner of DMVR. Um, so you go there, download, join the DMVR for country club and play with us it's been a lot of fun and this week like i said elf on the shelf shootout at pebble beach it's going to be a great one okay um defense so today carl Durrell uh talked about carson wells 
and was very happy that somebody asked a question about Carson Wells. And he's somebody who on the post game shows we have been talking about a lot. I think he's picked up a helmet sticker in all three games. Um, but let's start there. How good is the front seven? Uh, best in the Pac-12 good? I think uh, so. Like legitimately in that conversation? Um, who would you say is uh, – who, who else is in that conversation right now? Like Washington is is around there. Um, they have – they call him Z-A-F. I think it, he has a really confusing name. He has a bunch of initials. Um, but – in the Pac-12, they separate like the defensive player of the week and the defensive lineman of the week. And I'm pretty sure ZAF has won uh, three of the defensive lineman of the week awards. He's up to, I think he might be up over double digit sacks now. Um, and they've been, they've been really mean, but I don't, I don't think Oregon's better. And I think that they're probably number three. I mean, again, we talked about Demetric Felton. Yes. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yards and buffs home to 57. Um, but this buffs defense is for real. The, the question is just like, what do you get out of the secondary? Yeah. When we went into that game against Demetric Felton, like you were so confident the buffs were going to win. And like, I just couldn't get it out of my head that like, usually guys like that just go off um, against the buffs, you know, like it's like, Oh, okay. Well, like, um, you know, uh, long time buffs fans will remember Kadeem Carey, uh, who was like, just, very similar to Demetric Felton in the sense that like he's like a dominant Pac-12 player on a pretty average to below average team. Uh, Kadeem Carey also, I believe, ran for 300 yards on the buffs uh, at one point. They literally That's just terrible. ran. They ran inside zone out of the shotgun on almost every play. And he would just burst through and just like 25 yards at a time. It That's was, what's that's what defenses are thinking now though. Like, like playing Jarek Broussard, like now the buffs are actually doing that to defenses. Like he, he went, he only had like 125 yards this week, which brought down his yards per game. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Let me just see if I can find exactly what Kadeem Carey's numbers were. Kadeem Carey sets the Pac-12 rushing record with... really loud um <laughs> 366 how does that even happen does it say how many carries oh man i i literally couldn't find the number except for on this youtube video let me see if i can find <laughs> some more information here 366 yards like like that shouldn't be possible like that's the kind of game that in a shortened season gets you into heisman contention you know because because if, if you do that one week, I mean, you're obviously averaging over 100 yards per game if you throw out two complete duds, probably three, like you'll pick up 34. It's just like that should never happen. It's unbelievable. I just clicked on a story on like an Arizona SB Nation site from that game, like it was the recap from the game, mm -hmm. and it didn't mention his stats. <laughs> huh. Oh, neither does this one. What the hell? Kadeem Carey. I don't know. Anyways, 366 yards. Yeah. Um, it was one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen. So anyways, going into that game against UCLA, <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, God, Demetrik Felton's going to go for like 200 yards and we're not going to have an answer. And, you know, I wasn't ready 
for how good this front seven is. Uh, and after the game, I'm just like, oh, well, maybe just UCLA just sucks. And, you know, they're just wasting Demetric Felton. Very clearly, that is not the case. Uh, and the Buffs just absolutely put the clamps on one of the best running backs uh, in the Pac-12, if not the country. Uh, and, you know, like you said, Oregon didn't stand a chance against him. We were watching that Oregon game together, mm-hmm. and we were just like like four to six different times we were like, he never did that to the Buffs. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was the week right after. And, and it's just so hard to gauge where these teams stand in this season as in general, just because like they, they don't play many games. And so this isn't going to get solved. Like when you go into PAC 12 title week, there's still going to be this situation where you're like, I'm really not sure what the buffs are. Like, what is this secondary? Is it an average secondary? Is it super leaky and only a couple of teams have been able to take advantage of it? Like, this is going to be a season that ends with question marks. And it's just so strange, like the lack of common opponents. Um, But going up against this Arizona team, it really does kind of just feel, and like Carl Durrell even said today, it's a trap game. Uh, And you don't, like, it feels like coaches don't say that phrase very often but what carl said was um let me find it here in these notes like they're better than their record and it's easy to fall into the trap of seeing that they're zero and three and it's like he just said it's a trap game right there um but this arizona team like they've lost 10 games in a row they're zero and three this season but they've won three straight against the buffs their last win was last season against the buffs and they've lost every game since <sighs> Does that concern you? I mean, a little bit, but the, the truth is here, Henry, if you get trapped when you're a player at Colorado, like something has gone terribly wrong. Uh, like none of these guys have experienced any sort of legitimate success in their college careers. Uh, most of them are just now becoming bowl eligible for the first time in their careers. And if not all of them, Um, and to me, it's like, there's no way that these guys after three games can be so high on their own supply that they are going to go out there and overlook a football team. To me, they've got to be thinking like, we have so much to prove. We're out of the top 25. Uh, you know, we have to stay undefeated if we want to go to the PAC 12 championship game, we can't afford to lose anything. We have to prepare harder this week than we have for any other week. And not to mention, you know, we, we've been – all of these guys have lost to Arizona in their career multiple times, So, except for the freshmen. So, like I said, if you get trapped here, that to me is on the coaches. Um, you you just can't allow that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I feel really good, though, just like with how this team has performed. You know, even going up against San Diego State, which is a better team than Arizona – but still like a G5 team, a team that the game doesn't matter in terms of getting you into the Pac-12 championship. Like it's just totally irrelevant to that. It it feels like they aren't so up and down as a lot of the teams have been in, the Colorado teams have been in the last few years. Absolutely. And that and that's something that makes you feel really comfortable. Um, I know people like really didn't like that game against San Diego State, but it was a wire to wire comfortable victory. Yeah. Um, and like you said, I, you know, I, I think San Diego State probably beats Arizona if those two mm-hmm. teams play each other, as long as they have a quarterback 
who can actually throw the football. Um, but I just, you know, I do feel really comfortable. I feel like the coaching staff has a good grasp of what they're doing. And in the end, Henry, if you can run the ball, you're going to win. Like the, this, this specific team, it's not always true. This team, if they run the ball, they're going to win the football game. Yeah. Yep. I totally agree there. And it, it was kind of frustrating, though, last week seeing them try to run against San Diego State. Well, I shouldn't say it because for the majority of the game, they were able to run. It was just later on that it felt like the interior offensive line just was not holding up. And I, I, I'm pretty sure that like over his last six or 10 carries or something like that, Jarek Broussard had negative rushing yards. I think it was the last six maybe. But but those would have been like those last couple drives trying to run the clock out. Does that give you any any doubt about the running game? I think that the running game is stoppable uh, if a team wants to commit all of their resources to stopping it, which is obviously what you're going to be doing when you're trailing late in a game uh, mm-hmm. and you need to get the ball back. So why you're okay with that is because Sam Neuer has shown an ability to beat teams with his arm. Now, if I'm any team playing Colorado, I'm saying, like, I'll take my chances on that before I take my chances on letting Jarek Broussard get 30 carries for 180 yards. Um, So they have to be ready for that. Uh, Darren Cheverini has to be prepared for that because if I were to guess what Arizona was going to do, I think they would stack the box and say, you know, we'll trust our our secondary against Sam Neuer and those receivers. All right. Uh, Before we get out of here – what is the game plan then? Like, like you know, Arizona's coming in here. They're going to be stacking the box. What do you do? Like, like do you say, okay, we're going heavy. We're going to run it right at them and beat them. Or say, we're going to go with the play action. You know, a couple of weeks ago, they started out, I think it, it was a three and out, which got toxic on Buff's Twitter. But uh, it was like three snaps out of the shotgun, all Sam Neuer passes. I think there was like a drop that, that would have given the first down. Oh, was that this week? Yeah. Jared Broussard did not touch the ball in the first series. Oh, really? Yep. Interesting. That might be back-to-back then. But so so what do you do? Like, you know Arizona's coming in. Do you want to spread it out? Do you want to go at, at them? So I come out and try to bully them uh, just to see if you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you can bully them, like, the game's over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you got to find out if you can. So I'm coming out in heavy, uh, and I'm trying to run the ball on first down and second down with Jared Broussard. Um, if they show an ability to stop it, well, then I, I, you know, have the tool in the bag that you were talking about earlier, which is spreading them out, going four wide, trying to use some quick game. Uh, and again, in, you know, try to stretch the defense deep, uh, so you can open up some of the easy, quick stuff in front of you for guys like Demetri Stanley, uh, and Katie Nixon. And, you know, we talked about how they already have a slot receiver when we were saying they shouldn't be using Katie outside as much. Well, if you go four wide, you get to have two slot receivers. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things you could do, but I do want to find out early in the game, can I bully them? Um, and you might even, you know, start the game with a play action pass and then go back to it. But, uh, they, you know, they're keying on the run. So that's why I'm, I might consider going play action early. They're going to be dialed in trying to take that away from you. Uh, see if you could, if, if, if it doesn't matter, uh, and you can just push them around all game. If you can, this is going to be an easy win. Um, if not, you got to have something in your, in your back pocket. All right. That's good stuff. And I totally agree. That probably is the way to handle it. Um, that's going to do it for today. One more thing. Oh, one, one more, more thing. thing. I've got the carry numbers. What's your guess? 
on how many carries it took Kadeem Carey to get 366 yards. See, that's really tough because you think like to get 366 carries, they had to have given him the ball a lot. At the same time, though, there are only so many plays in a football game, and you know that some of those had to be massive gains to get to 366 in the first place. Like you need to be like hitting like some 60 yarders and getting those like obviously early in the drive because you're that far back on the field, but also so that you have time, like you're not just running game clock because you're getting that ball back enough times to run for 366 yards. So I'm gonna say let's let's call it an even 10 yards per carry. 30, 36 carries, which is probably too high. Too high. It was 25 carries, oh. 316, uh, 66 yards. That's a good clip, good for a 14.6 yards per carry clip. And just since we're here talking about this, I'm, I'm just going to make Buffs feel, Buffs fans feel all the misery that I'm going through right now. Oh, actually, not what I expected. I wanted to see how, how many long touchdowns there were, but, uh, 13-yard touchdown run, 30-yard touchdown run, 8-yard touchdown run, 3-yard touchdown run. So he was busting big runs, just not all the way to the house. It also is almost like worse if there aren't many like massive games because then you're just picking up 14 yards every single time you give him the ball. Yep. The good news, Buffs fans, I'm sorry for taking you down that path, is the Buffs are not giving up 300 yards rushing this week yeah that like if you have nate lambden on the field like the way he's playing the way carson wells is playing that's just not happening yep Ooh. oh wait no those are receiving averages jerry Broussard's best is six yards per carry just yep. for reference which is kind of crazy you would have thought that one of those he would have got more but i guess with the volume and them knowing you're running it 4.8 for the season over this many carries is really impressive yeah, I mean, you you know, you see numbers bigger than that uh, in college for sure. But I mean, if you're at, you know running the ball at almost uh, five yards per carry, you're in a really good spot. While we're here, I want to go to see what what uh, Phil did in that game. Phil against Arizona in 2017. This is absurd. I want I'm going to have you guess again. So he had 281 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, which is the best game of his career. Um, how many carries did he get in that game? So, again, I wasn't, like, following the Buffs at all at the time, but in talking to Buffs fans who were fans at the time, everybody always complains about him not getting enough touches. And since I missed by, like, a dozen on that last guess, I'm going to go pretty low here and say it's uh, <laughs> 16. Uh, no, not even close. Um in this game, which just absolutely blows my mind, he had 41 carries. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. His senior huh. year, touches were certainly not a problem. Uh, huh. the, the week after, he had 28 carries. The week after that, he had 29 carries. The week after that, he had 33 carries. The Jarek Broussard numbers. Yes, exactly. Except wow. I don't know if Jarek Broussard will ever touch 40 carries in his career. So oh. that game that he ran for 281 yards, Phil, Phil on the average, 6.9 yards per carry. Interesting. Huh. Well, that's something to keep in perspective with Jarek Broussard at 30 carries per game, 4.8 yards per carry. Young All right. Spry. Um, I guess now that we've made this a long podcast, like, <laughs> what, what is your pre- prediction for the game this week? 
Man, I think the Buffs are going to get back on track here uh, and maybe finally finish one of these games. Um, I, and when I say get back on track, I mean from an offensive standpoint. <laughs> uh, obviously, the defense was beautiful last week. Um, so I'm going to say uh, they put up some points again and they are able to uh, put the clamps down on Arizona. I'm going to say the Buffs win comfortably 38 to 17. Mm, I like it. I'll go uh I'll go 35 to 10. I just I mean I don't think this defense is giving up points. Yeah, I mean, let's just Arizona uh scored 30 points against USC. Um but a lot of that was late work if I remember correctly. Um they scored 27 against Washington. Weren't they shut out heading into the fourth quarter? Something um, crazy like that. I would believe it. Let's yes, see. they were. Okay. They scored 27 points in the fourth quarter against Washington to lose 44 to 27. Um, <laughs> and then last week against UCLA, they scored just 10 points uh, on, a, on a defense that the Buffs scored 48. Yeah. And the Buffs gave up three points to San Diego State last week. I don't know that San Diego State's offense was like as good as Arizona's, but – you know, it, it wasn't a whole long ways off. The quarterback thing for, for San Diego State gave them no chance. Like, they, that guy mm. was terrible. He so, was. So, Gannell's going to be better than that. Is he play, so, you said he got banged up last week? Yeah. I don't know that we've heard for sure whether he's going to play or not. I'll check real quick to see if there's an update. Um. This last segment is called We Google Things while on, <laughs> on the that's, podcast. That's a good segment name. Um, yep, shoulder injury still being evaluated. And uh, his status for Saturday's game against Colorado and the rest of the season is unclear. Love uh, college sports. That is college football in one sentence. <laughs> Eventually, right. with all the betting, they're going to have to uh, implement rules about reporting injuries. Like, it only seems fair, right? And yep. what I really hate is everybody hiding behind HIPAA, where it's like, like that's how HIPAA works. Like, there is a very clear <clears throat> parameter with how, like, you can get in trouble, and, and it's very narrow. And most of the times, the college coach says, well, HIPAA won't let me. It's like, well, HIPAA doesn't apply to you. You are a football coach. HIPAA like, does not involve ankle sprains. Yes. If if you have had your player say, this is what it is to you, then typically that's not covered by HIPAA because you aren't a doctor. We don't need to go down that road too yeah, much further. We've, we've though. gone too far. It's just stupid. And coaches won't find excuses and there are oars all over the depth charts. And it's all just kind of BS, but we'll see. If that changes, um, that's going to do it for today. Uh, you guys can hear from Ryan again, uh, on Saturday on the buffs post game live show, uh, get on YouTube at DMVR. It's on our page. You can find it there. Uh, the DMVR buffs, Twitter account also has it on Periscope Periscope sucks though. So don't go there and expect to have a good time. Um, and yeah, I'll be back tomorrow with Ben talking basketball. Uh, thanks Ryan for doing this. And, uh, yeah. we'll, Oh, you have more words. <laughs> I was just going to say, give my guy some iTunes reviews. Oh, yes, do that. Love reviews. Love five-star reviews in particular. Um, do that. Okay, All well, right. see you guys tomorrow. I think they like my Colorado sway. Because when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado
Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag. 